0: had a week of optimism there before things came, crashing back down to reality in a tough home opener loss for Toronto FC. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Wake from the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. And on today's show, we'll chat about the Red Bull match, the ups and downs of Toronto FC's young players, Domenico Crescito, Michael Bradley, and plenty more. First, of course, we've got Jeffrey Pinesker, but we've replaced Michaels here. We've got Michael Leach of City News 680 (laughs) joining us instead of Michael saying who will hopefully join us in a little bit here. But how are you guys doing this week?
1: Mike, pretty good, thanks. How are you? It's tough. You? It's, it's, it's tough to fit into. Uh, it's tough to, to to be slotted into the starting lineup um, to replace Michael <laughs> here. He's he's going to have to sub me out as soon as he gets in.
2: <laughs> death match. I think uh, a a Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome kind of kind of death match is, is my is my <laughs> that's what I posit. Um, happy International Women's Day to everyone and uh, all the women in everybody's life. I think it's important that we uh, we celebrate that. Um, and then, you know, basically, uh, uh, crap on, on, on our, our boys in red for the rest of the hour and, <laughs> and, and change. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Mitch, I, I guess, get us started because, uh, your first question is kind of the, the catch all for everything here.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's funny that we are talking about subbing mics out because I think that's, uh, that's something that we'll be talking about throughout the show in terms of the Toronto FC captain, but, yeah, I think uh, I think we'll start with you, Mike Leach, uh, your thoughts and, and biggest takeaways from the whole opener, because, you know, obviously it's early on in the season, we expected some tough transition with just the way this team is lining up with the fact that they don't have their full roster. in yet in terms of the some of the investment they made this offseason, but that's a pretty ugly way to to start your home season, both in terms of everything—the pitch, the way it was looking, the the play on the field. I mean, it just wasn't a, it wasn't an ideal start, was it?
1: No, I mean, listen, not to be too critical. I, I thought I thought in the first half they played all right, like they 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 started off strong. It's just those little mistakes, and the the concern that we had going into the season was how is the back line going to look well when you turn the ball over in bad areas and you give up transition chances like that like i mean that's the that's going to be the book on how to play tfc right now is let them possess the hell out of the ball yeah. wait for them to make a mistake and then just punish them in transition because that's what that's what the red bulls did and and were very very successful in doing it so i mean listen you take those turnovers away and it's it's a young group um i thought the young players did all right it was some of the other guys that i wasn't necessarily completely impressed with but you know this is a work in progress and they've said that all along it's not the complete roster um i had someone ask me on saturday uh what they could do at left back because schaffelberg doesn't look like he's working out i i wouldn't close the book on schaffelberg at left back yet and i'm afraid they're probably going to have to continue on with Shoppelberg at left back because <laughs> uh, the the, the Crescito thing looks like that's not happening anytime soon. So they're gonna have to try and you know, find their way through and and, and do what they can to survive. Um, but I mean in terms of the performance, outside of those like really critical mistakes, I thought there were some good signs there, particularly Luca Petrasso. That kid on the left, man, he looks good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 what? Um, what the just anything? a quick follow up. Oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I mean, you want to you want to flip for it? Paper, rock, scissors. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I said this on our on our post show uh, Twitter Spaces, and and you brought it up. Um, it is it is a roadmap to beat TFC, but I would posit that not a lot of teams are going to be able to pull the Red Bull right. Like this might be an outlier because of the way the Red Bulls play, and yeah, it seems to be our kryptonite. Absolutely, um, but. I I wonder, you know, can can Chicago Fire actually you know even even feign to come in with that sort of a game plan and execute it so we may be overreacting in that regard this may be specifically you know the red bulls have our number and playing them is going to absolutely suck the other is um obviously somebody that doesn't follow you on the twitter machine because he's asking what's with the browns gear or mike that's across the bear and i don't even follow pointy Eggball, but i know i, I, I know that every weekend yeah. Oh. I have passed
1: it oh. on to my children. What? Yeah, oh man. I've been a Browns fan for more than 20 years, and it's it's you know, all these grays. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not because of my kids. Not because of my wife. It's
2: because of yeah. the Browns. Yeah, yeah. Now now, Mitch, did I did I usurp uh what you were going to ask him?
0: Not really. I mean, I was I was more gonna make a point in the sense that it was kind of funny because you know Bob Bradley was so um, praise for his removal of Chris Mavinga in the, the first match of the season at halftime because that wasn't working out. And then he starts this game without who's arguably best transitional defender. So I wonder how much of an impact that will make when, you know, Mavinga you would think comes Great back Washington. in for, for the next match. Um Maybe I'll skip ahead to, to another one. And we'll just start with the back line in general. Like how much do you change maybe even the 11 after, after a performance like this, or how much do you stick with the, the same thing against Columbus this weekend? Because like you said, a lot of these guys are are learning on the job and you have to be afforded that opportunity to make these mistakes or else they're never going to learn. And they're never going to get to the place where Toronto FC need them to be. And again, like you said, they do need them to get there because they've left them in. They've left themselves in a spot where they don't have much cover in some of these spots.
1: Well, I mean, I, for years coming into this year, I always had people going, "I oh, play the play, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids." Okay, that's cool. And I always said, "You want to play the kids? That's that's fine. You're going to have to live with the kids' mistakes, and you're going to have to mm-hmm. live with the kids growing on the pitch, and you're you're going to have to accept that those things are going to happen." I got concerns about this game coming up against against Columbus because I think they scored four against Vancouver and three against San Jose. They can score goals, and yep. they're going to put TFC's backline under under pressure. But again, if you if you want to find out what you got with these kids, you got to throw them to the to the fire a little bit and see what happens, and yep. and let them try and learn and grow. Because the only way they're going to grow at this level is by getting out on the pitch, and and actually doing it. And I think to to make massive changes in in the eleven and. and a, they don't really have the roster to make massive changes at this point in time, but to, to make changes and start pulling guys out of the lineup and moving them all over the place, A, they, they, they don't get any continuity. They don't get comfortable in the positions that they're being put in. And number two, you wreck the confidence. So you got to let them try and just play through this right now. And we always knew that this season was going to be, it was going to be a bit of a, you're going to yeah. have good days. You're going to have bad days. And you, you mentioned the, the Red Bulls. Can this be – because they're such a different team to play. Can they, can other teams replicate what the Red Bulls do? Well, the Red Bulls put TFC's young guy – they put a lot of pressure on the ball. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it, guys are going to make mistakes. That's where yeah. you're getting those turnovers because there's pressure on the ball. And and all of a sudden, you got to start make, making decisions faster than maybe – you otherwise would like to. And I think that's one of the things that, that did concern, not concern me, but I kind of looked at the TFC had a ton of possession, but wasn't a ton of possession with purpose. I think yeah. they only ended up with four shots on target. So like the, the possession, the ball wasn't moving fast enough. And, and that's that allowed Red Bulls the opportunity to get up on the ball in, in, in certain positions and, um, you know, it, it made th- it made things difficult for TFC. Can other teams replicate that? We'll find out. But that that's certainly that blueprint is out there now. Put pressure on on some of those young players, and and they might make some mistakes.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, just before, obviously, hello, Mike Singh. Welcome back to the show. What's up? Um, What's up, Mike? Yeah, you. You uh you hit the nail on the head, Mike Leach, and and trust me, we are going to get to the pre, pre the pre uh, discussed questions that I know you're you want to ask. But there have been a lot of calls on on the spaces, um today on WTR is in in article comments, myself included. You know why are we not playing a back three? Why aren't we playing a three five two or or a five three two? And I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, we have to be okay with them making mistakes, especially. Two games in and switching I mean, has Bob Bradley ever in his managerial career played as negative a formation as a five three two? I don't think so. Um, but my question is this um is is Michael Bradley the six that we need in this system and is Pause the eight that we need in this system? Because based on a very small sample size, it would suggest that the answer is is notable.
1: I saw I saw some analysis saying that they thought that Bradley played well on Saturday. I that's not what I saw. I didn't I didn't I didn't see that energy. I didn't see that taking charge in midfield that, that we typically see from him. I thought work was okay, but Bradley's play I think concerned me a little bit more than anything I was, it, it just it just seemed off. Um, More than anything else. And I don't know whether that's what we should expect from him because every player has off days. I just didn't think he, I didn't think he had that, that sort of Michael Bradley grind to the, to, to his game. I thought there were some really sloppy mistakes, to be honest yeah yeah
2: i mean i would i would even posit that it's an unfortunate circumstance that daddy bradley's system requires a six like a tyler adams or a darlington nagby and he's never been that player ever he's never been that like no. black hole that sucks all attacks he's never been that destroyer six he's much more of a like you know uh, a regista like a like a pierlo kind of player a, a deep-lying playmaker um and that, that is, that's tough. That's, that's a really tough situation. Um, Mike, you got a question
3: for Mike? Uh, yeah, for sure. But just to me comment, like you called Pozzuolo an eight there. Am, am I the mm-hmm. only one that's seeing him play more as a, as a 10 in, in this system? Because I've, that's what I've seen I, out of him. I mean, you're, you're fair.
2: I would, I would call him a hybrid eight, 10. I mean, obviously he's not getting the free roll that he had the first couple of years, but and, and, you know, an eight has a lot more defensive responsibilities for a 10. I think maybe that's why I'm harping on, on the eight. But by all means, if I'm wrong, um, uh, you know, now's your now's your opportunity to put me in my place. <laughs> yeah, no,
3: that's, 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 hey, it, it's fluid mm-hmm. out there. So it's obviously changing all the time. So I just mm-hmm. see Bradley and Ozo lining up there as, as sort of the sixes slash eights. Bradley obviously staying back a little bit more and then pause still as that number 10. But as you mentioned, that free roll is is no longer really there. He's kind of trying to play more centrally, which hasn't been his game the last couple of years. And I tweeted out, I thought he started the match unreal. Um, A couple of his touches in tight areas of the pitch, keeping the ball, that was all fantastic. And I thought he looked like Toronto FC's most dangerous player moving forward, as he probably should, as as someone who is Alejandro Pozuelo and the talent that he possesses. but what I want to get your your take on there Mike was with the play down the right wing and I'm not sure if you guys touched on this already and that's Jaquiel and Jaden. Kind of interesting to see Bob Bradley start two youngsters. Um yeah I was I was for it at the beginning of the game. I I was excited because this is something you know we've been talking about a lot. But what was your takeaway from that match and what do you think those two guys learn from an experience like that against the Red Bulls?
1: Well, I mean uh, you know I mentioned it before. I, I actually wasn't too disappointed with the play of, of some of the young guys. I, I, I got kind of what I expected out of them. I, I know people were saying it was a bit of a step back for Jaquiel in some respects from the performance in Dallas, and maybe it was. I thought he was okay, and I, I, I really like Jaden Nelson. Maybe I, I really like him. I thought he did everything right until he got to the final touch. Yeah, The final touch seemed to elude him a little bit, but that's something I think that will come with time. And this is the thing. This is the thing that we were talking about is with these guys, you're going to have to give them time to work through some of these things. They're not mm-hmm. coming out of the box, finished products. Um, you're going to have to give them a little bit of space and leeway to make some mistakes and learn from those mistakes in order for them to improve. So the result, and, and this is, I, it, you asked my, my, my opinion of the game, was, yeah, they got blown out for one. And it was a miserable day. I know people <laughs> who left at halftime because it was cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it's it's one of those games where you throw the results out. The performance was, was better than what the result would indicate. It's just cleaning up some of those little things, some of those little errors that particularly young players make. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you don't turn over the ball in some of those spots, and it's not a
3: 4-1 game. Hmm. yeah Chris here, also, in the, Chris here sorry go ahead
0: Mitch I was gonna I'll say it's also like that. a change in mentality too as, as these young guys uh move from position to position like one of the things I see with both Schaff and and JMR is when they lose the ball they have that winger's tendency to try and close down immediately and win the ball back when when you're a fullback you can't do that in the same way you have to pick your spots and back off a little bit and let the other guys cover for you because you know there's no one there's no one behind you uh who can you know win that ball back if you if you miss that initial aggressive tackle so there's little things like that that they're they're gonna have to tweak as well um and another thing that i'm finding interesting here obviously is just the change in narrative in canadian soccer right now around these young guys whereas in the past, there was pressure on young players because Canada was looking for that one shining star to to lead the program forward. And now that they have that, everyone's measuring them against that guy. And, yeah. I mean, it's it's not fair to Jaquille, It's not fair to Jaden. It's not fair to, like, a bunch of these young guys. But that's the way things are right now is everyone wants to find the next Alfonso and life yeah. isn't fair I'm, I'm just gonna put that yeah, <laughs> that, that little that, debbie down that, that little that,
2: that
1: you're gonna find the next alfonso he's a pretty no. special player I yeah, don't yeah. Know he's generational i mean like a let's look at... that's a yeah. lot of pressure to put on someone to say oh yeah you mm-hmm. need to come in and be the next alfonso Davies." no just come in and be the first you
2: yeah, yeah. hey i love that wow yeah let's get <laughs> that on a t-shirt advice yeah that was that was <laughs> wonderful that that's <laughs> poetry all right, Mike. I, uh, let's talk pitch because I know you and I have uh, we've had a little bit of a precursor to this, um, and I know that you have been privy to some of the screaming hot magma takes over the over the last weekend. So let let's set the table. I mean, you've done a bit of digging, so let's set the table about let's talk fungicide, let's talk runway, let's talk weather. If you if you want to set the table for us,
1: okay. So every time, and I I, I haven't been to trading. I, I just it, The price of gas right now is keeping me away from training. (laughs) More than anything else. um, I saw the pictures that were posted from training last week, and I went, oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. And it was the the question was brought up to Michael Bradley about the field. And frankly, his answer concerns me. It doesn't concern me, but it kind of raised a red flag for me is he said, we've talked about it too much over the years, but we still haven't come to a solution. Well, the next solution, I can tell you the next solution, and no one wants to hear it, is that grass, that hybrid comes out, and they put in an artificial turf. And I my, my mentions fill up every time the field becomes an issue with the Argos out thing. Guys, the Argos aren't leaving. They are. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're owned by MLSC. MLSC operates the stadium. MLSC is not... No one is, no one is paying to build a new stadium for the Toronto Argos because frankly, the Toronto Argos... How do I be diplomatic about this? Like, <laughs> Just say frankly, the Toronto money. Argos
2: and every, like, everybody understands. You're,
1: you're, yeah. you're, almost, you're almost better to go... The Argos would almost be better off playing their home games up at York University. Like... That stadium is actually probably more along the lines of what they need than BMO Field, and that's no mm-hmm. disrespect to the Argos. It's just they aren't drawing fans into the building, and I yeah. get that. But MLSC, paying the Bills at the stadium, they want to get as many events as they can in the stadium. The Argos aren't leaving. So if the pitch is that much of a concern, we've done the grass. It didn't work. We've tried the hybrid. For the most part, the hybrid has worked. Like it's mm-hmm. been fine. There were points last season where it didn't look great, but then again, last season was was weird in that the Argos started their season really late, and you had a bunch of you had a bunch of games there in a short span of time. I totally get that. Yep. yep. Neil Davidson's article. He spoke with Robert Heggie, who is the, the the chief groundskeeper for uh, Toronto FC and, and Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. He said the issue with the field, and he's told me, I've spoken to him, he's told me the Argos don't help. Like, let's Mm -hmm. let's be very clear, the Argos don't help. Nothing there helps. Like, TFC2 playing there would not help. You want to keep as few events on the grass as you possibly can. I get that. He said the, the weather this year, there were two things. There was a lot of snow. And they didn't have the, the access or the ability to use the amount of fungicide that they needed to use to keep this fungus that is like the snow is like a yeah, catalyst for its growth. Absolutely, um, They didn't have the ability to do that. The weather didn't help them also in the amount of wind that we've had. And it's been windy as hell this winter. When the, Yo, when the wind yeah. gets up above 30 kilometers an hour, you can't use the grow lights because the grow lights will blow away and break. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's a couple of things working against them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, and, and I also heard over the last few days that there were some film crews that were working at the stadium. I, I can't verify that. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but if that's the case, none of that helps. And I, it's money, I'm sure, because those crews mm-hmm. are paying to be there. Mm-hmm. But the question is, if you're going to have those crews in there, and they're going to cause that kind of damage, and that damage was down in that south end more than yep, anywhere yep. else, if that's if that's where that's like if that's a reason, then you're speaking a, my language,
2: I, Mike. I, I, kind of, mean, I mean, I mean, in... a kind of
1: question, yep. I kind of question the priorities there priority, I know you want to make money, but if you're putting more, your, you're, you're paying millions of dollars for these guys. Like it's, it's like, it's like asking a uh, Rolls Royce to run on like yep. regular unleaded gas. 100%. Like 100%. You know, if you're going to have, if you're going to invest that kind of money in your players, you might want to put the investment into the field too to make sure that they've got the best playing surface to play on. And it was mentioned on the TSM broadcast like the, the pitch is not conducive to the way a Bob Bradley team wants to play. They like 100%. to keep the ball on the ground and move it around that way. If, if the pitch is all, and it was, like it was, even in the spots that didn't look bad, you could see the ball bobbling around a lot and, and getting some bounces. It's, it's not good, but I mean, it's also March. March yep. in Toronto. No grass is going to be great right now. So hopefully in the next few weeks, that, that, and there's another issue. It seems like TFC gets front-loaded home schedules every year. Yeah, and I know are. some people at MLSC say they want that. I don't get that. Why are we playing home games, as many home games as we are, in the months of March and the beginning of April? Like backload some of those into the summer if you can. If you can, not
2: right. yeah, yeah. Then you get into I mean, Chris, an
1: issue with the Argos again. So. Yeah, you
2: do, you do. Chris Chris Fung raises a raises an interesting point. You know, they should invest in a transportable grass surface that can be protected, like Arizona does with their football stadium. Unfortunately, we, are, you know, one through one hundred of the top the top mm-hmm. priorities. A, t- a tunnel for the yeah. VIPs to get from parking without n- mingling with the riffraff is is probably number one. But but so
0: <laughs> um, we're getting to the you game know, boys.
2: So, so we're pooched, we're we're pooched in that respect, right? You know, we're not putting down turf. And, and I think people have to realize, one, the Argos aren't going anywhere, like you, like you said, and two, it's March, guys, it is what it is. Um, you know, not getting the fungicide isn't wasn't a money issue. It wasn't a it wasn't a, it was it was a supply issue, predicated by the fact that we're still kind of in a global pandemic that's kind of re- running wrecking havoc on global supply chains. And compound that with with the bureaucracy of our government at all three levels with respect to importing and exporting fungicide, it became triage, and we just didn't get as mu- as much as we wanted. So let's put that to bed. Um, I think we start putting the panic we we start pushing the panic button. Um, you know, if Lorenzo comes in and the pitch still looks like that, but, but, you know, (laughs) at at the end of the day, like you, Anfield has, has the same kind of grass surface as we do and their goal mouths are dead and they get, they get 10 times the the attention paid. And that's simply, you know, from, from action and football matches. So I really do think we, we need to adjust our, our metrics here, our, our ceiling and floor for, for, uh,
0: what what pitch, you know, I just think
2: that we're being a bit too unreasonable. And, and I,
0: I, I imagine we all agree there. Mike saying, do you have any uh, questions on this week's edition of botany weekly? <laughs> Horticulture <laughs> weekly. Horticulture Sorry.
2: weekly. But, and get ready. Cause my second question is another 20 minute uh, <laughs>
1: dissertation. Yeah. So, so maybe mm-hmm. to, to the question that was asked about the, the, the Arizona Cardinals, the grass, the transportable grass, the Las Vegas Raiders do the same thing at uh, Allegiant Stadium um, in Vegas. Those, those fields are transportable. That's correct. They're on tracks. They actually move them out into the parking lot. And that's fine. One thing you do have to remember about, about Glendale, Arizona and Las Vegas, Nevada, you get way more sun and it yeah. doesn't get nearly as cold.
2: You're one hundred percent right. That,
1: yeah, where are we going to put the grass? Well, like in the international? That, I mean, like? I, this yeah. Is, like yeah. Th- this is this is an issue. This this is an issue with the NFL because mm-hmm. J.C. Trevor of the Cleveland Browns is the National Football League Players Association president. He penned an article. Um, it actually came out after Odell Beckham did his knee, his ACL in Cincinnati on turf in 2020. And then Beckham does it again on turf in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium, a five and a half billion dollar stadium. Five and a half billion dollars, and they put down artificial turf. And no one wants this stuff because it's yeah. Even even NFL football players, because of the cuts and all that stuff, guys are getting hurt. The problem that they're they're having is with some of the stadiums. Like they're talking uh, as a Browns fan, they're talking about. The stadium's only 20-plus years old, but they're talking about replacing First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. And what do you replace it with? Because they want more events in the stadium. First Energy Stadium has 10 Browns games a year plus a handful of uh, concerts. It's not enough to keep a building like that Mm -hmm. profitable. They want conventions. They want more concerts over the winter. They want the NCAA Final Four. They want all those things. So then it gets into the, the field. And the, the idea was the same thing. You could have this, this field, this grass that is grown elsewhere, and it's you know, yeah the, the grass it's it's gonna be an it it's 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 not just an issue for us. The yeah climate yeah. is not really conducive to it. So Exactly maybe you and, move, and maybe you move maybe you move the pitch south for the winter, maybe you make it a snowbird and send it to Florida. <laughs>
2: With a bunch of helicopters
1: or a system, yeah, and
2: nets. Send it to Clearwater
1: Beach with an umbrella yeah exactly i will say
2: this i've been sitting on a on a on a witty retort for about two minutes you said what do we replace the first energy stadium with and i'm like the second energy stadium but you know now I'm, now i'm late on the joke yeah. so uh uh I'm, up. <laughs> but <I'm, laughs> i'll be here all week boys um i'm just moving ahead because i let's get the second one over with um MLS on TV in the US Canada this is the other thing that we we talked about as a precursor you have some interesting ideas on on what it takes and and i sort of countered with as long as MLS 90% of their ESPN games and i'm not talking about ESPN plus the ott server i'm talking about Terrestrial cable, whatever that means, ESPN three is a graveyard in the United States. It's like a value added channel that has that ticker that gives you your 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 sports uh, stats on the bottom. You see how TSN tries to approximate it. Um, that's a big issue for market penetration, and I think that that has to be the priority above and over and above any of this. You know where are we at in terms of the Raptors? But I thought it was really interesting how many how much resistance you got on the Bird app with those figures, you know, the Raptors and TFC sort of being very, very close together, he being very close together in terms of numbers uh, over the last, uh, over the
1: last little while. Was that even the question? Yeah, the, the, (laughs) the, 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 yeah, no, the, I mean, the the, the season opener in Dallas, TFC drew 154,000 on TSN in the afternoon, the Raptors, now the Raptors were playing Saturday night, Saturday night going head to head against the Maple Leafs. And I think it was against the Atlanta Hawks. Just not it. I mean, the Hawks have Trey Trey Young, but I, I don't think that's a that's not a marquee matchup. They only got one hundred and sixty seven thousand. Now, fast forward to week two. I just looked at those numbers: 57,000. 57,000 viewers for TFC New York Red Bulls. Oh wow, that's not good. That's, that's not good. for halftime. The the,
3: yeah.
1: the Vancouver New York City game actually got a much better rating than. Than the TFC Red Bulls game and I don't hmm. know whether that has anything to do with the matchup I know a lot of people like to say every TFC fan is down at the stadium on a home game and those numbers actually kind of play into that that hmm. idea so uh, and the Raptors I think drew 280,000 on so, Sunday wow. against the Cavaliers that was a good matchup though that that's like the, the Cavs are sneaky good. Like people, people don't realize they're, they're, a, they're a Cleveland team. I so I, I, I see
2: your bias. Your bias is showing, Mister. <laughs> no, no,
1: I, I, like okay. The, I love Evan Mobley. I love yeah. Evan Mobley. Um, and I, I, I'm the the if Mobley and Barnes sort of continue on the trajectory that they're on, I'm. More in on that. So the, the waking the red is turning into a waking the raps here. <laughs> I, I mean, these, these sound like the <laughs>
2: names of basketball players to me. I, I, I'm going to take your word for it, though. Um, so so what's the solution then, Mike Leach? Like, like, do we just do we wait for the insignia bump or is it time to be concerned? Because the league is on is pursuing a new media deal. And these numbers are very important.
1: Yeah, they, they are important, and I uh, in senior will present a bounce. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of what else was on because I was working at the time, so I, I I think there was a hockey game on at the time. But Saturday afternoon might in March might be a little bit of a dead spot. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't. I really like. I really want to promote it. Cable hurts like cable. Cable hurts. Uh, although yeah. I think the Leafs, the Leafs drew basically the same number. They draw. They they were on Sportsnet only on on uh, Saturday night. They weren't on the CBC, so they weren't over the air. They were on cable. They did right. well, but that's the Maple Leafs. Yeah, um, yeah. They're they're almost you know
2: anyway, Undrawable, they're, Yeah,
1: they're, yeah. Like the, um, I, I don't know. Like I mean, I didn't see a ton of promotion. There was a lot of promotion. Um, from TSN going into the game in Dallas, like it, yes, they the were. Ones. If you watched anything on TSN or even on CTV, there was a lot of promotion. There wasn't a ton of promotion going into the um, into the whole uh, against the yeah, Red yeah. so that that may be part of it. I mean, part of it is we got to tell the stories, like the, the and and I saw someone say, oh, "I'm way more interested in." watching a Burnley-West Ham game or, like, just pick two sort of -of middle-of-the-road teams from the Premier League because there are way more storylines. I'm going, no, there aren't way more storylines. The Premier League has a massive, monstrous PR machine that churns out those storylines, and they have people who are willing to tell those stories. The problem with MLS, and i can like, in my job, I have to decide what, what do I cover and where? And yeah. how do I, how do I do this? Like local is always most important to me. So TFC is always in the conversation. I've had fights with people over this. I will pick TFC or even the Argos over mm. some U S games. Cause the U S games, U S basketball games don't draw like they not draw 45,000 in some cases, mm. um, on TV. Um, uh, but going into the season opener, I go live, My the, the person that does the morning in front of me does everything on tape, so maybe we'll go through and listen to all of their reports. There was not hmm. one mention of TFC's season opener against FC Dallas in the morning, and I'm like, how is that? Because that was yeah. my lead story, and the home opener on Saturday was my lead story because it's a Toronto team, it's important, it matters, and then... Because we default to Leafs' lead all the time. Yeah, I think that's boring, and I don't think that's right. When TFC's got a home opener at 2 o'clock and the Leafs are playing regular season game 62 or whatever it is <laughs> on, on a Saturday night, as, as, a, as a breaking news station,
2: mm-hmm. and a
1: happening now station, let's get what's happening now on the air first, and then we'll deal with the other thing later. But, I mean, there aren't enough people like me out there in the media that actually will push the, the, the MLS narrative forward. And that's part of the problem. And that's, I, I put out the question there on Saturday mm-hmm. night or Sunday night after watching, um, I'm sorry, I'm going into the weeds a little bit here. I watched no the, Austin, uh, the Austin-Miami game and yep. I watched the LAFC-Portland game. Both of those atmospheres were fantastic. The Charlotte game, seventy four thousand mm, at Bank of yeah. America Stadium. Yeah, I, yeah, that was like a college football. That was it was. I watched college football. That was like a college football game in, in in how the energy in that that stadium. And I'm like, This is here. Like there's there's something here. Why are mainstream media outlets like mine, and. ESPN and TSN, and why aren't they paying more attention to it? And, mm. I mean, I got I got a million and one different answers. Yeah. It mostly yeah. comes back to the American mentality of it's not the best, so we're not going to pay attention to it, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah I,
2: you know, the they It's usual. not the same
1: quality yeah. as the Premier League, but there's quality there.
2: Yeah, and it's also, you know, soccer is not a high scoring game. It's a complex game of nuance where you have to appreciate a midfield battle over, you know, the ping ponging of points. Um, and the fact that it's a it's kryptonite for advertisers because there's no place to put your commercials unless in, in other than yeah. halftime and pregame and post game, right? And that is
1: sanctional. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a double edged sword because there aren't places to put ads. And with the ratings so low. Those ads aren't going to sell for much, yeah, so it exactly. almost becomes like a, a self
2: filling prophecy. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Mike, you got you want to follow it up with something that isn't uh, talking about TV viewership. We, <laughs> <laughs> I
3: mean, uh, yeah, let's let's go back and let's talk some 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 footy that actually occurred on Saturday, and of course, let's let's go back to the TFC game. Um, Jesus Jimenez. He he bagged his first goal as a Toronto FC MLS player. What did you make of his performance? And with Iowa Canola returning to, to training this week, how does that sort of look? How did how do you foreshadow that competition there up top? And what do you think of uh, Jimenez so far?
1: Oh, that the, those touches that he put on that goal it was, it was that's that's some skill that we don't typically see and, and ability to, to move with the ball. Uh, I thought he looked really good I, and I think he's looked pretty good in in what I've seen of him um, as far as Io goes. I don't know if he can move two up top but I mean, I, it might be tough for him to get on the field. I mean, there's certainly going to be competition there for sure. Yep. Yeah, him, him and his look really good to me. I'm, I'm really impressed with him. Even in the preseason stuff that I saw, he looked really, really good. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah as, he looks Has and can play as a wide attacker too, so that might be an option that they yeah. look at, especially yeah. um, you know, before before Lorenzo Insigne gets in here where they can put him right. as a wide and Io through the middle. So I wonder if uh, we get a couple looks at that as well.
3: Because they're still looking for that option on the right wing, eh? Because mm-hmm. the first game, DeAndre Kerr didn't work out um achara i thought looked looked decent when he was kind of spit out there but it doesn't seem like bob bradley's too keen on starting him right now and Mm -hmm. then when you shifted Jaden over to i guess what his unnatural side even though he can play That position, I don't think he was at his best. Um, Luca was great on the left. Jaden was great on the left the the game before, so I think the left wing is going to be fine. Especially when you have someone who's pretty decent at that spot (laughs) in the summer. (laughs) So, yeah. The question mark. He's going to be
2: amazing at left wing. (laughs) The question mark is there
3: at the right wing, right? So if Jesus can uh, can I guess fill that spot, then that. If Jesus can save, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs)
1: i was waiting for that <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah i mean i was gonna do a big lebowski joke but i don't want to swear on 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 me so uh so I'll, I'll save that for later <laughs>
0: all right well i think we'll i think we'll let mike uh mike leach go here um yeah we've had yeah, him for 40 for, minutes man yeah absolutely yeah we, we overstayed our welcome a little bit but thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining us off the top this week and yeah it's always great to talk uh some tfc with you mike
1: Oh, thanks for having me, guys. So it's a lot of yep. fun. Always fun talking,
2: Footy. Amazing man! I'll we'll see, see you next ratings time. Ratings,
1: yeah. <laughs> all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. next time it will just loud be loud me and back
2: you, back and we'll just bore back. we'll <laughs> bore each other out. We'll do like an eighteen-hour long-winded dissertation on on TV viewership numbers, <laughs> and, and by the end <laughs> there'll be yeah, one yeah, viewer
1: we'll, left. Uh, well, and we'll we'll do a, a full like you know, grass manicuring and, and both <laughs> segments and with dioramas. Like we'll, I'll, I'll make
2: animations. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Can't wait. Cannot wait. All <laughs> right, Mike, Mike done we'll done see you later. The buddy. Crew,
3: eh? <laughs> <laughs> so you need Cheers. All right. Mike. All right. All right, boys. Well, let's uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Always, 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 always love talking to him. Um, First in the rundown, TFC gets wrecked in the home opener. Have we uh, have we taken that to its logical conclusion, or do we have any uh, further thoughts on on the four one?
3: Well, I, I'll start. And for me, the writing was kind of on the wall uh, hmm. for something like this to happen. I think we got really excited seeing the TFC in preseason. Um you know, come away with some results. We got really excited after coming away with a point in Dallas. But to me, realistically, like, in that game against Dallas, I thought we sh- we probably should have been down a couple goals early. I think Dallas missed mm-hmm. a couple sitters. Um, So I think realistically, I don't know if TFC were really in that game and they came with a point. I don't know if they necessarily truly deserved. And then... Come back out and and look. This roster, as we've all talked about, is still very much a work in progress. And when you're starting, I don't know, four, five um, kids in typically, I guess, unnatural positions, it's there. I mean, it, the writing, yeah. like I said, is, is on the wall once again. Um, and I think the Red Bulls are also really, really good this year. Yeah, uh, we talk about <laughs> them not. <laughs> Talk about TSD yeah. dominating possession and them looking good in possession. Well, that, that's by design. I've watched a lot of Red Bulls over the last couple of years and, and really even this season. Their first game against San Jose was just the same thing. I think San Jose had about 63%, 64% possession to the Red Bulls 30-something. And Red Bulls came away with a 3-1 victory that day too. Wow. So wow. It, it is by design the way the Red Bulls played, just handing over the ball and capitalizing on the transition. And Mitch, I think you made a really good point about jaquiel and, and jacob learning when to back off a little bit um, that's something bob bradley touched on after the game and in particular i believe it was the third goal when Jaquiel tried to win the ball right away maybe it was a foul um, but sometimes when you don't get that call you get burned as the last guy and i thought maybe he could have backed off a little bit there and and perhaps played that a little bit differently or or be more aggressive when you're, when you're going yeah. in he was kind of hesitant there but I thought personally, I thought Shaquille was fine. Um, learning moments, you know, be a little bit tighter on your man. Uh, learn how to defend a two on one when you kind of get left <laughs> out to dry. Learn how to defend that that one risk four situation. But on the ball, I mean, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. This guy yeah, is. Yeah, I would play. I would add
2: maybe not dribble in the box that you're defending. Like maybe just <laughs> just hoof
3: it out of there sometimes. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, personally, I think it. I challenge him to do stuff like that because I think he has the potential and you know you're gonna have to make mistakes um but sure. this guy can keep the ball better than most people on this Toronto FC team right now and I think he showcased that I thought he's he's able to dribble inside which is not something you see very often from a young player he's able to dribble outside when he needs to and mm-hmm. Jaden I thought gave away the ball far too cheaply in this game and when you're playing on alongside a guy like Jaden Nelson and you're at right back there. That's your outlet for jaquiel So every time he kind of moved it up to Jaden, um, I thought the possession was given away too cheap. But I thought Jaden showed flashes of kind of what we get so excited about for him. And he, he you know, beat one guy, beat two guys. Yeah. But then he tries to beat the third guy. And you're like, okay, I think at that point, you kind of have to reassess and release the ball there. There was one time he did that, cut a guy inside, cut another guy inside and then looked up saw Jesus making a run through the channel Instead, he tries to beat a third guy and loses possession in the midfield. So just little things like that. I think that's been his biggest um, yep. problem is knowing yep. when to dribble and when to release and kind of evolve as a soccer player there overall. God, it that reminded me of someone
2: I can't, I can't quite put my finger on who it reminded me of with the endless <laughs> dribbling and the step overs, but it really did really did remind me of somebody. He's not smiling. Like,
3: <laughs> he's, <laughs> um. <laughs>
2: Can, can we right, talk about
3: philosophy?
2: Oh, I was I was talking about how... <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to leave it. We'll talk after the show. Um Luca, why did they? put Luca's a natural fullback. So mm. can we talk about why Luca got the start further up? I mean, he was great. He was my man of the match. But what kind of was that? A little galaxy brainy to maybe put him as an attacking option and Schaff as a defending option? I mean. I think we're clear on on we got to let Schaff and JMR run through the paces, and and there's going to be more more games than than this where where they don't quite work, and we maybe have to hold off on the no Bob let's do a let's do a five three two like you like no like you've never done ever in your career ever oh. because we're scared. Um, Are you criticizing yeah. the one yeah.
0: thing that worked in the entire tactic? No, situation? I'm not. I'm just I'm just saying
2: <laughs> I'm just saying it seems weird to me. Like it worked, but it seems it, weird to me on paper. Like when that lineup came out. Everybody was like, "What's going on? Where the hell is these are? Where the hell is Luca playing and where is Shaft playing?" Like it just it did our mo- or did our head in, and then to see how it was realized on the field felt a little galaxy
3: brain. Regardless, I mean of in, in, our, in, the in our mind, Jeff, like he's he could be just a left back, but the first time I spoke to Bob Bradley, he said that he was he could be a midfielder. Okay. Um, and that was the first time I spoke to him, so it's not like he all of a sudden came up with the idea on Saturday afternoon. I think this is something we all saw in the player. And I think during that preseason game, I think it was against Chicago when he came on and he was, he was started as, as a left back was playing higher up the pitch. You could see his attacking quality and that was on full display on Saturday. So, I mean, as Chris said, I thought he was way better at left wing than he was at left back. Um, And I wholeheartedly agree with Chris there. I thought Luca was probably the best player for Toronto FC in that first Mm -hmm. half. And, i'm interested to see i guess how they use him going forward but as a whole uh, on saturday i mean guys like we get carried away sometimes with these expectations there are going to be growing pains this is still this tfc have a lot of moves coming and the plan is to make this group a lot better and they have to so Mm -hmm. there are going to be times where hey you you come away with the result like they did on Saturday. I don't think anyone expected to be perhaps that ugly, but credit Mm -hmm. also to Lewis Morgan, who took two absolutely beautiful goals um, to obviously kind of demoralize TFC there. But I still think that there's a lot to like in this group when you dive into things and come the summertime when they bring in a couple more bodies. I mean, there's, there's a plan in motion here, and it's just, can they get to that summer? That's the biggest question. So I wouldn't be hitting the panic button yet. I wouldn't be calling mm-hmm. for anyone's heads yet. Um, this is still early, fun in in <laughs> still early in the year. It's still earlier in the year, and I, I think that this group will honestly be fine. Yeah. Speaking we'll... of
2: uh, speaking of the plan, I'm going to do a segue now, Mitch. Here we go. <laughs> speaking of the plan, um, how much does Dominique Crescito's change of, of heart with respect to uh his 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 estimated time of arrival alter said
3: plan. Well it's interesting because when I first heard about the move, the plan was always the summer. Mm-hmm. This is uh Genoa's captain. He is kind of like Lorenzo and Sydney, he wanted to be there to help Genoa um out of the relegation battle. Obviously, the last two months, he's been sidelined with a calf injury and also he had COVID. Oh, <laughs> so he, he he was unlucky, I guess, in that regard. But mm-hmm. the whole time I was hearing that he would be joining TFC in the summer. now when news broke that he would be coming in March instead, I kind of wondered what was happening there. Um, so I wonder if anything actually did change. Or if this was the plan all along to kind of revisit this move in the summer, I still think at the end of the day, this this deal gets done and Crescito does become a Toronto FC player. I was told when, when it was first happening that this was a package deal with Lorenzo Insigne. And mm-hmm. perhaps it'll actually literally come as a package this summer uh, when his contract is up. Speaking
2: Does of that, that, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Mitch. I keep interrupting you. Can you I'm going to stop talking.
0: <laughs> it's all good. Man. Um speaking of that left side, though. I wanted to to ask about because uh, we're getting a lot of comments about it. Uh, Jacob Schaffelberg, and obviously a player who who left the field um, injured during that home opener. Is there is there any update on on him, and maybe uh, if he'll be available for the weekend?
3: You know, TFC's training at BMO Training Ground, and I actually did not get out to training today. So I do not have an update for you guys right away, uh, but we'll try and get one by the end of the week. So keep it locked.
2: Sounds good. Perfect. Um, Axis of evil. Let me, let me just interject here. I don't get why Michael keeps saying we need to be patient. I don't really see people panicking. I mean, tell me you're not on the waking the red boards without, (laughs) without telling me (laughs) people are just pointing out what they see. Don't be overprotecting. There's a point somewhere in there, axis and, and we love you for, for being so contrary, but People are definitely panicking, my friend, um, whether it's it's it's, you know, this this idea that that Bob has to suddenly um, become a coach that doesn't adhere Hugh very, very, very close to this 433 or nothing or, um, you know, basically consigning uh, uh, Schaff and uh, and uh, JMR to the delete bin based on 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 two performances. I, I do think that there's a lot of Nietzsche reactions that are circulating around there. Um, you know, even even just sort of the 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 um, the pleas to be more measured on this JMR hype train from from pundits all around uh, all around Cansockland. People are definitely uh, panicking. And I think that that's a little bit of PTSD from last year and the expectation that we were going to be uh, going to be better than we are. Um, right out of the gate, so so I w- I would counter that that Mike is definitely being a lot more measured than you give him credit for.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I spend too much time reading uh, Twitter, you know, <laughs> the wake of the red boards or whatever it is. But I definitely do see um so, some panic out there from <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> fans, and I think I mean deservedly so. I don't know if they deserve any praise. Obviously on Saturday, I just. I, I like I said, I think those matches are going to happen. But Jeff, you keep mentioning the 4 3 3. And man, I keep going back to this. I don't, I'm not seeing a fluid 4 3 3 out there. No, 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 not at all. But, but let me refine it to say,
2: I don't think Bob Bradley is going to be playing a negative for me as, as negative a formation as a 5 3 2 off the back of this loss to the Red Bulls.
3: Sure. Yeah. I, I think Bob Bradley is capable of playing a lot of different formations that he, sees fit but at the end of the day I think we have to at least in my opinion you have to set this team out and, and develop them in the way that you envision and if that's comes the summer when Lorenzo and Senior arrives and they play a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 whatever it is mm-hmm. then t- train their your guys that way and between now and the summer the way that I'm perceiving it is it's almost like training sessions out there it's You're going to have those bumps. You're going to have those slip-ups. You're going to have those moments where you're like, oh, what the hell happened? Yeah. But it's all, I mean, let's go back to this Philadelphia 76ers. Trust the process, man. Let's trust the process, and, and let's see if this actually plays out the way that Bob Bradley envisions, because he does not have his stamp fully on this team yet.
2: And Chris, the good news Chris I'm I'm taking this from your new article which I edited before we uh, <laughs> before we, we started the show today so yeah yeah I already don't like it buddy
0: <laughs> well, The good news with Bob Bradley is he's got time I think more than like mm. if you go back to last year with Chris Armas and, and even Javier Perez like these were both guys who knew pretty much they were on the hot seat Bob Bradley's going to have a little bit more time to do some of these experiments and just, just given the reputation that he brings in and given the investment that the clubs made in him and the dual positioning that he has, you know, he's going to have just a little more leeway to be able to play some of these young guys and to be able to go through some of these growing pains that are going to be mm-hmm. necessary to get this club to where he hopes it's going to be and where we all hope it's going to be come, you know, Realistically, next year. I mean, I don't want to write off the season completely, and we're definitely not doing that. But like, this is a year of learning, and next year will be the year when the expectations ramp up. But that hmm. that little bit more leeway, I think, is is critical for Bradley, and I think it's going to pay dividends down the road as as some of these young guys get more and more opportunity. And results aren't the be all, end all, at least in this part of the year.
3: Exactly, and I I, I still think they they do compete this summer um i based on you know the potential that they have to make sort of some moves that i'm hearing they want to make i I do think they find a way to kind of turn this ship around in the summer and let's not forget that the summer isn't the halfway point in the major league soccer season the summer is is about a third of the way Mm -hmm. so if they can get to that point pick up a couple results here and there still being the mix to make the playoffs don't rule this team out to get hot come the summer and and kind of push forward from there. But it it might be might be a painful experience to get there. It might not. They might turn the ship around and start playing better than um, they have been to start the year. But I I just I think the writing's on the wall for sort of these type of performances.
0: Hmm. Yeah. No. I think. Uh, I think we're definitely. Yeah. Patience is. Yeah. Something we don't <laughs> preach often on this show, but something like that
2: <laughs> we'll, uh... well speaking speaking of patience, um Richie Larea. Mm.
0: See what I did there? See what yeah, I did very there. Very nice, very nice. Um, yeah. Um
2: yeah, go ahead. Set the table, Mitch.
0: Well, of course, rumors suggesting throughout the week that he could be considering a return to Tronov on loan from Nottingham Forest, uh, where he has yet to appear. He was in the 18 for their uh, FA Cup game against Huddersfield yesterday that they actually won. So they're playing Liverpool coming up in the FA Cup. I mean, the the reason for not doing this, among other things, was literally on the bench for the New York Red Bulls <laughs> during this game and the Caden Clark and how much the Red Bulls had to pay to get Caden Clark back. Richie Larea would have to go through the exact same process to return yeah. to Toronto FC. And I mean, I wanted to mention it because it did float around a, a decent amount, but a lot of people and got shut down. This. Yeah. Yeah. Hailing yeah. Kyle yeah. of all people dismissing the, the rumors. And that's someone yeah. who, yeah, I think you can trust on this. So, I mean, Mike, I don't know if you have anything on, on this idea, but Richie doesn't seem to me like one of those no. guys that would just give up on a project, especially he's got a four year deal here. I know it's, it's tricky right now and he wants to plan for, for Canada. They really need him to play, but yeah. I, I
3: watched that Huddersfield. Um, Nottingham Forest game yesterday, mm. and I have to say the quality there is is top notch. Yeah, yeah they're, both of their their fullbacks are absolute class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think about inserting Richie Larea into a game like that with that type of what's at stake and that time of the game. I just I couldn't see it happening. Nope. Um, I agree. And that's not a knock on Richie. Richie's a fantastic player. I just think that that level of play might be a little bit better than maybe he expected it was definitely better than what i expected uh, yeah, out of those yeah. two sides so i was really impressed by the quality overall of of the both of those sides and i think richie has a little bit to go to kind of get up to that pace of play so which is why i'm assuming that we don't see him as much as we want to we don't see him in that lineup just yet but he, i'm yeah, sure he's inching yeah. closer I, again,
2: also those two pretty- starting fullbacks are loans and the, uh, the the general consensus is they ain't coming back next season, whether they're yeah, promoted considering or not. How they've been so. playing, I, I think yeah, they're, yeah, <laughs> think they're yeah, both they're going to get recalled by their <laughs> by their squads. So yeah. so he's he's definitely in the wings. And and you know, I I said this on our spaces. I think I said this on our show that ha- he had to know. I mean, obviously, everybody thinks that it's not going to affect them and that you know, well, well, you're you're signing this deal for next year, and they're like, sure, 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 whatever. For sure. I'm so good, you're going to play me in two weeks, but he had to know. Um, it's a setback, absolutely, but he did the He made this move with both eyes open. And, you know, uh, if anybody is going to surmount uh, 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 a bump in the road, I, I bet on
0: Richie Larea every time. So let's go. Yeah. Again, it's well, the wider concern for me is just the Canadian men's national team because that's one of those positions that Canada's really not that deep at. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think you still have to play Richie considering he's out of. Even if he hasn't played in in a couple months, although I will say Matthew Schwannier, watch that player at that right back. Yeah, he's been so good mm-hmm. for CF Montreal so far this year, and his brother's mm-hmm.
3: really good for Forge. Yeah, like yeah. that. That family, they're ballers, man. Um, and yeah, you know, it, of course we we want to see Richie get playing time for this window, but this window is, I mean, it's not. The toughest window that we've seen this men's national team play, and based where they are on the table right now, it could be a time where you can experiment with someone like a Schwanier or mm-hmm. other players potentially at that position. You have the versatility where you can drop Buchanan back, or Richeler has been training with them this whole time. Like maybe yeah. he's just good enough to kind of play his way on, onto the squad and. Maybe that's the confidence boost that he needs is getting back into that national team fold. But yeah, you're right. It's something we've talked about in the show quite often is what what does John Herman do with this upcoming window because Richie Larea hasn't been playing so often. And as a TSC fan, obviously that's tough to see. But I yep. think as as Jeff, as you kind of said, and I admit you kind of alluded to, like I think he'll be fine um, yeah. regardless of kind of how this plays out. And I know that loan
0: move was floating around. I just, yeah, I don't see it yet. Yeah. 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 I mean, speaking of players and playing time, another bit of movement for Toronto C this this week is Luke Singh went on loan, but not to whom we expected him to. Uh the the initial rumors were that he would join Pacific FC, especially in light of the Lucas Magnaten and uh Kaden Chung signings. But he's going to FC Edmonton, which I actually I mean, it's going to be a tricky one for him because look, FC Edmonton
2: is are <laughs> the suck, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. They're not they're not great right now, but I think it is a good place for him to go in the sense that he's going to have a pretty big role there and get a lot of opportunity to do what he needs to learn most, and that is defending. And Truth? that's
3: something Bob Bob Bradley talked about. Uh, we asked him uh, at training the other week about the about the move, and particularly it was posed tfc2 versus the canadian Premier league like why not send him to tfc2 and interestingly enough he said luke singh kind of just needed to get out of here and go Hmm. out on his own a bit um and to me that that signals you want to grow up in in a lot of different ways and i'm not saying he doesn't have the mentality to be a professional footballer at all but there's as we talked about there's a lot of experiences and a lot of development that can happen when you are away uh, at a different club away from your family, all of that. Absolutely. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing for him. And as you mentioned, Mitch, he's going to have ample, a lot of defending to (laughs) to defend and hopefully he comes back better for this because I think the talent you guys can see this guy on the ball is is very, very good Um, in the air. He's very, very good. It's just positionally it's not there. Um, yeah, and the way yeah, that he reads the game, in my opinion, yeah. just wasn't there yet. So let's uh, let's see kind of where it goes from there. I'm not writing him off just yet. I think this guy has a really high ceiling. Let's see kind of how this plays out. I wish him the best there in Edmonton. Absolutely.
2: He's going to get minutes. He's going to get minutes um, in a way that I don't think he would have got uh, in, in MLS next so yeah, yeah, and he's going to have a lot of responsibility because mm-hmm. those other teams are going to be marauding the uh the FC Edmonton net. So he's going I mean, this is a very good move for for Luke Singh, I think. So uh all like you said, all the best to him and uh hopefully he figures it out, you know, how to how to make those decisions and and get his body positioning right and all all of those all of those things.
0: Yeah.
3: Do you guys think there's anyone else who gets loaned out? Hmm.
0: I'm trying Who's, to think. Of, I mean, even, yeah, the, the roster. Yeah, I mean good. that that
2: isn't in the starting eleven. I think that's yeah. like the, the yes. guy, right?
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, but not like mm. I don't think that happens yet. Like I think I think that's something that they might consider during the summer months, perhaps when you know they get their Insigne and Christo and all these guys in, and then and then there is. I mean. If if it doesn't work out and he doesn't uh, he doesn't cut you know how high I am on him but like a guy like DeAndre Kerr yeah, like Jack you Kerr. want him to get yeah, minutes yeah or Peruta not getting yeah a yeah, guy like Peruzza, those are those are two good examples um, yeah obviously Kamar Lawrence to, yeah Kamar Lawrence yeah <laughs> obviously uh, obviously Paruza has to learn how to play that central attacking midfielder <laughs> role as a uh, at the professional <laughs> level so <laughs> adjusting to that position yeah right, takes some time yeah right. yeah but those are those are a couple. Of the guys who you gonna be
3: hilarious when Bob Bradley throws Peruza out as a central attacking. I'm gonna do <laughs> backflips, I don't know how to do one, but I will he figure it out. Just, starter. just, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Going, I, I see those. Guys. I know you can more names in the well.
0: Well, I could see again, he's been getting a lot of minutes, so so maybe not right now, but like depending upon what they do with the midfield, like a noble O'Kello, I think that's one of those guys who you just want getting minutes, regardless of where they are. Like, that's another player of, of that sort so those are a couple of guys like a couple of those younger roster guys even a Luca petrasso like i know he had a big breakthrough game but if he doesn't get uh you know if he doesn't get those those minutes then you know maybe you send him to join his brother at uh at york united or something like that um, <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about a lot of brother combos recently so. yeah, truth, yeah
3: truth what about uh, a guy who i don't know if we've talked about him yet on this show but kofi thompson right Kosey yeah, yeah. kofi thompson, yeah. 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 thompson yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, I mean, it's kind of forgotten about a little mm-hmm. bit because he's kind of overshadowed there, but he's a guy potentially that could be a lone candidate if, um, he doesn't get some opportunity here. And I, I think I liked what I saw out of him in preseason. So, mm-hmm. um, he, he's one, I guess, to keep it on as a potential loan move down the line. What did you guys make of, of Caden
0: Chung and Lucas McNaughton? Was there he's anything that one, you could
3: have made it out of them at that point in the game?
0: I'm, i love him. Yeah, i mostly just rattled that I couldn't figure out who Mike was trying to allude to in terms of lone guys. So I missed. It. I was trying to name all, <laughs> all the guys <laughs> of the team, so I get his guy. And I did I get it right? Really did I get it way. right? Yeah,
2: yeah. He doesn't I mean, give you too much. He's a good poker player, man. Jeez,
0: jeez. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's not yeah, a thought, smile. I thought Caden Chung's looked really. So- I mean, both of them. Again, it wasn't much. It wasn't much time, but Caden Chung's a guy who. Um yeah, I think I think he will get more minutes as, as there'll be potential games where you know they'll they'll want to bring out JMR um at a certain point, especially at, at this young age. So yeah, I think Caden Chung's looked really solid and very solid defensively. Like I've I've liked that from him in the in the early games here.
3: Jeff, you I mean, you're a fan, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a big
2: fan. I'm a big fan. I thought uh, he looked great out there. And I was I was really watching. I thought he was uh, he was pretty phenomenal. And you know, Lucas is our Nick Haglin, You know, hat tip to Charlie O'Connor Clark. So um, I just want to see him bury a couple headers, and then and then he's my hero forever. But uh, uh, the 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 bleached blonde hair again. It's a bit too soon for anybody on TFC to have a bleached blonde crop <laughs> short haircut by my by my accounts. So I mean, but he's a lot taller, so I didn't really make that mistake more than once. Um, yeah, they all look great. Uh, Okello, uh, to me, is is you know I really I really want this kid to figure it out because that is such a secret weapon. I mean, especially in a Bob Bradley team to have a six with that kind of uh, uh, physical stature, um, he could very well be the 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 the, the s- straw that's stirs the drink did I say that right yeah I think mm-hmm. I think I think we're sitting on a big 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 potential with Noble Okello.
0: you know what's funny is yeah. uh our uh, Waking the Red colleague Tej Sahota had a uh, had a Twitter thread about how he didn't think Noble was ready yet and there was a hilarious <laughs> clip just for me where he showed he's like yeah look at Noble get all the way back and not know what to do and I was like yeah he was, he got all the way back. When was the last time you saw a Toronto FC midfielder get all the way back? Get all transition? the way back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, that alone sets him apart from the other options that Toronto FC have. So, True. especially when True. we're talking about that transitional defending that's been such a struggle for TFC, like that's something Noble can really provide them is, you know, just just that ability to get back and the youthful energy of him and Prisso. Like, they're going to need that this season. I
2: mean, you may be able to nutmeg him because he's like a, a giraffe out there, but you're not like you're not chipping it over him. You know what I mean? And if he and if he can figure out how to do toe pokes, um, you're 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 finished. I mean, that guy's going to going to own your soul. So I, I'm very, very excited. I, I think, uh, that 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 kind of a, a, a physical stature doesn't come along often in 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 football. And, uh, you know, when you get it, when you get that Yaya Torre kind of, kind of, uh, uh,
3: Potential. I mean that that's amazing. So yeah, it's not even just the stature too. It's I mean this guy's a baller. Like he's he's so skilled. You see it often in training, and you see it in like when he's warming up. I mean this guy can do things with the ball that someone who's like five foot five can do. And Mm -hmm. I don't think he's been able to show off that finesse quite yet. But it's it's in his toolkit, and I think the more that he develops, the more that he goes on here, I think that'll start to show. And I personally think he's about maybe a year or two away from being quite ready to take that next jump. But this year will be important uh, in terms of getting the playing time and getting the reps under his belt as he continues to develop and and learn the game here. I think Ralph Preso, I mean, this is a guy I think is is ready right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, It's tough because obviously that midfield is is also Bradley and and Paz, and who are you replacing at that point? Um, that's, that's the biggest question. I think and we I all know think,
2: the answer, unfortunately, but, uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I'm not calling for Michael Bradley's head right now. If Michael Bradley no, was making either. 500, 600,000, he'd be in my opinion, a fantastic player, but he's, he's making a max TAM, which mm-hmm. it, it's tough to say that. Cause he does so much for this club in terms of the intangibles. Um, this guy's the captain, he's a leader, he's all of that, but, um, I don't know if his play on the field right now warrants uh, the max mm-hmm. TM contract. And that's just my personal opinion there. And I'm sure a lot of people, um, well, I've seen a lot of people kind of voice that. that same yes, the chat is exploding
2: with, with anti mb before sentiment. <laughs> and so was, so was the spaces that, that we uh, we repurposed into a podcast that you can now mm-hmm. find on, on all your local podcatchers. Um, I mean, I got to go pretty soon, but, but to me, the question is, is Bradley a starter or is he a, a, a last 25 minute player? And we didn't, we didn't come to that conclusion in the spaces because I can see advantages to both. Certainly having Michael sitting on the bench with his dad, reading the game and then getting put in for the last 20 minutes to institute all of the notes that they've taken for the first 60 something odd minutes. There's a certain there, there that, that, that's sexy to me, but, but, also having Michael start the game until he loses his legs and then bring in Ralph Preso or Noble Okello has its own advantages. So so I don't think there's a space for him. I just don't know if it's 90 minutes every game
3: in or out 24-7. I think he needs to start just based on the player that Bradley is. Um, I think he does better as the game kind of goes on. I don't think he necessarily comes in and adds a spark to to the team. I think we saw a couple times last season he was brought in off the bench and I don't think he was at his greatest. Um mm-hmm. But for me, the biggest question mark in that midfield might just be how the heck do we get the best out of Jonathan Osorio? Yeah, yeah. Because he looks like a completely different player with the men's national team. And how do we get back to that sort of Jonathan Osorio? Mm -hmm. Great that he scored the goal uh, the first match. I I don't think he had a good game on on Saturday. I mean, a lot of people didn't, but I thought Osorio was was not at his best at all so i want to see if there's a way that bob bradley can kind of get the best out of ozo
0: because you know it's in there it's still in there mm-hmm. i think yep. graham reed yep. hits the hits the nail on the head in terms of the mb discussion which is i think they just need to pick their opponents to play him against like i think this discussion yeah. is so highlighted because he was playing against the new york red bulls which is a which was a was bad set, idea yeah yeah literally he's <laughs> yeah. set up with two extra kind of inverted wingers who are meant to double up on Bradley and like take him out of the game. Like it was, yeah. their strategy was perfectly set up to, to destroy a player like Michael Bradley. And that's why this is so, so much in the light right now. And I think the other thing, like Mike Singh said, like intangibles are so, so important. And there comes a point when you take too many leaders off the field and the other guys have no idea what they're doing. And Michael Bradley is such an important reference point for everyone else on this team. Obviously, eventually you want, the Jonathan Osorios and those guys to step up and become those players because Bradley can't do this forever. But you don't want to take too many of those guys off the field. We've already seen between, you know, Justin Morrow, some of those guys, even Omar Gonzalez, like obviously he might've been a bad reference point last season, but he was uh, <laughs> considered a reference point as a leader. Like you can't take too many of these guys off the field or like the structure is not there for these young guys, especially who are learning new positions. So I think that's an important thing to note. And again, why, Michael Bradley still needs to start some games here and there. Um, yeah, let's let's wrap things up here. I think, yeah, I got uh, a dip.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Last thing, just quick, is
3: mm-hmm. tough match this weekend against Columbus. Don't expect mm-hmm. things to get any easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, true enough. Columbus true enough. has been scoring for fun. I mean, they literally have yeah. Zardes on Della the back. Like, they've, yeah, they've created this striker battle between Miguel Berry and Jossi Zardes that is should be terrifying for the rest of MLS because both these guys are going to be incredibly hungry to to score goals and both of them have been scoring goals. So yeah, that's one thirty on, uh, on Saturday that they play that game. Um, but yeah, let's, let's wrap things up here. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. Obviously a huge thank you to, to Mike Leach for stopping by. Always good to to catch up with them. Uh, be sure of course to check out the, the new Twitter spaces show we alluded to the tunnel club hosted by Mike Newell, um, Which just joined the network. That'll be a live call-in show every weekend with rotating uh, cast of guest hosts, and you guys. If if you want to get your uh, thoughts in on on all things Toronto FC, we'd we'd love to to hear from you guys. So uh, make sure to go check that out. Uh, follow us on the the socials to to check in on on all of that. And thanks to all of you for continuing to listen and all of your support uh, on behalf of Jeffrey Pineski. Yeah. Nesky, wow. Nesky. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. That, that's what you get <laughs> for talking I mean. over me a hundred times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, yeah, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> Their name probably, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Nesky and Mr. Mike Singh. <laughs> um, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Till next Tuesday.